Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 7th of September, 2022. Happy Wednesday to you. Yes, Wednesday. All right, I want to get to things quickly, so just a reminder that the book contest this week, the autograph book contest is between, who is it, the hell is it between? It's between Brad Thor and Greg Gutfeld. That's right, first editions, Brad Thor and Greg Gutfeld. Which one you win is entirely up to you. Whether or not you win is up to my kids. But you go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to enter. I, uh, yeah, I'm aware of the thing with not, no, with iTunes. It seems to be a more widespread problem than just this program. So it's avail- it's going everywhere else. That's why I don't get it. So we're working on it, or I have a, a friend working on it. So hopefully they can figure this crap out, because I'll never figure it out, and get it back on iTunes. I love it. They're like, oh, everything's working great. Let's change things. Just leave stuff alone. That's uh, so part of the reason why I stopped using Facebook, is they changed it so many different times that it's not the fun thing it used to be. Now it's just this obnoxious advertisement machine. Anyway, enough about that. Let's get on with the program. There is a lot going on today. I just I keep seeing these stories. Meghan Markle. I know I don't talk about the royals on this show nearly enough, right? No, I don't talk about them ever on this show because I just, I, you know, the the bald kid and his good looking wife. They seem all right, whatever their names are. Uh, Harry, no, no, yes, this one's named to Harry. William, Bill, William, and uh, Kate. They seem nice. They seem well, not normal. Nobody's normal when they're a royal, but. Uh, they seem to actually like each other. They seem to like their jobs, their lives, the, the world. They don't seem to just constantly be bitching about everything. Meghan Markle and the ginger kid just, uh, you know, and he looks a lot like uh, like Diana's rumored boyfriend. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all they do is complain. They're just the put-upon victims. And it's like somebody whining and complaining. You, you go to a Black Lives Matter, Matter rally or you go to uh, just an Antifa event, and you know there's a whole bunch of trust fund babies in the audience, and they're railing against capitalism. And, oh, capitalism, boy, it sucks, and it's unfair, and it's this, that, and the other thing. And you're going, boy, uh, you made it out to Washington, D.C. from Seattle. Huh? I bet you you didn't load up the Volkswagen bus and drive out here. I bet you flew. Odds are pretty high that you flew first class, if not private. But okay, capitalism sucks. How about I unburden you of the capitalism that uh, you're afflicted with by uh, inviting you to give me your trust fund? You know, that'll stick it to the man. You really It's clear that you hate your parents. So why don't you give me what your parents have lined up to give you. That'll learn them. That'll sh- they never do that. They never take advantage of that to anybody. They never, now I, I don't expect them to actually give it to another human being, but you could, if they're sitting there advocating for charity, they could give it to charity. They never do that either because while they're crazy, they're not stupid. Just a lot of their beliefs are stupid. And that brings us back to Meghan Markle. I love the fact that the British press absolutely hates her because she is the embodiment of the left here in this country. She really is. 
Apple News headline today, Meghan Markle is done hiding. Well, wait, she was, when did she hide? When was she hiding? How was she hiding? Because screaming, look at me, I'm a victim is not exactly high. I, I don't know, maybe, well, she's an American. She grew up over here, so I'm pretty sure there can be variations on a game of something like hide and seek from coast to coast, you know, whether or not it's goal or ghoul or, you know, how you decide who is it. But I don't think there's a that big of a difference that, uh, you know, somebody runs around screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then you go, well, why did you, why'd you look at me? <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be looked at. Like, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But uh, apparently she's, she's done hiding or something she also gave a speech about gender yesterday god these people will not i love these people stop looking at me oh i'm just being tortured and tormented and blah 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 and like why well there's a really easy way to uh to handle this stop giving speeches right stop giving speeches and people will stop reporting the speeches that you give she gave a speech saying, oh, she she wasn't the pretty one growing up. And I'm like, well, internally, you, uh, you're still there, honey. I'm sorry. But, oh, yeah, she's the ugly duckling. And then she gave a speech about gender where she apparently referred to herself in a seven-minute speech 56 times, I think it was. Just nonstop references to herself. <laughs> Here, there it is. UK Daily Mail. Meghan Markle references herself 54 times during seven-minute speech to young people. <laughs> they hate her so much not just because she's american but because she's an obnoxious leftist thank god he's not in line to get the throne because they would be the death of of the the royal family over there and i understand it's all for show and it's mostly a tourist trap and what have you but the pomp and circumstance i like the fact that we still have that sort of stuff in the world that's a good thing a little bit of tradition is a good thing because the left is trying to tear down everything every single thing they possibly can anything that is remotely enjoyable to a human being uh, that they don't like but le and the left doesn't really like any human being they like they like people who conform that's it the ultimate conformists and to illustrate this point bringing it all in reeling it all back in I want to play some clips from uh, Jonathan Capehart over on MSNBC. He's a columnist for uh, the Washington Post. He's also a weekend host on MSNBC. He's a fill-in host on MSNBC. He's making a pretty penny. And he never stops bitching about how oppressive this country is and how oppressed people in this country are. Now, he's a gay black man. If, in fact, this country were the horrible cesspool of oppression that he claims it is, that he, he makes probably seven figures whining about, he would not be making seven figures. He would not be on television. He would not be doing much of anything. But he's making a fortune, which means he's lying, which means he's paid to lie, which means he's a liberal in good standing because seemingly they're all paid to lie. He had someone on his, uh, his interview, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before, 
this person is named, she's a liberal professor. Where is the name here? Diana Ramy Berry. Ramy, Ramy, R-A-M-E-Y, however you pronounce it, who cares? Diana Ramy, Ramy Berry. She is the Michael Douglas Dean of Humanities and Fine Arts at University of California, Santa Barbara. Yes, Michael Douglas. You got to love these people. These leftists, they have so much money that they endow, like Michael Douglas is filthy rich. He's been a film producer long before he was an actor. He produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, made a bunch of money off that, and then he made a bunch of money as an actor too. So he's, he's got tons of money. And he's got family money because of Kirk Douglas. And instead of giving their money to charities that might, you know, I don't know, help people, job training, people to buy clothes for job interviews, people to go to school instead of endowing scholarships, they do what's called endowing chairs at various universities. Now, universities with hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in in, um, endowments, and you don't think UC Santa Barbara is going broke, do you? You don't, think, you don't think whenever the Michael Douglas chair, dean of the... When that was endowed, do you really think that the UC Santa Barbara was about to go broke and Michael Douglas swooped in and saved it? No. These universities, particularly the uh, UCs, the University of California, the publicly funded universities, were doing just fine. He didn't even... He didn't. Maybe he did it in addition... But he wanted his name to live on. So I was like, here's a couple million dollars. It is the Michael Douglas Dean of Humanities and Fine Arts. Well, how many how many scholarships does that donation provide? None. All it does is give the university a bunch of money, gives Michael Douglas a nice tax write-off, and makes sure that his name lives on. That's all. How many people were helped? Well, Diana Ramey Berry, the chair there, the, 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 the dean of the Michael Douglas School of Humanities and Fine Arts, she's benefited. I imagine it added a little bit more money to, because it wasn't like it didn't exist. So she's doing just fine. Now, what kind of quality human being serves as the Michael Douglas Dean of Humanities and Fine Arts? Uh not a particularly good quality of human being, to be honest with you. In talking about Joe Biden's speech, Dean Diana Ramey Berry complains that, uh, well, it wasn't inclusive enough. Joe Biden said, we the people. And we the people is horribly racist because at the time we the people was written in the declaration or in the uh by the founding fathers it was not referring to anybody who wasn't a white man you're sitting there going what what well you have to have a really twisted logic liberal mind to do it listen to this clip it kind of explains it but it never fully explains it because it's insane and I think one of the things that he did was he actually excluded some groups of people. And I hate to be this dissenter among the group. I, I thought it was a great speech, but he ignored indigenous Americans, African-Americans. If he was anchoring himself in 1776, there were a lot of people that were not included in We the People in 1776. <laughs> He's exclu- His speech, I'm going to dissent. Dissent. Dissent isn't 
Uh, I agree with you. Republicans suck, but he was not inclusive enough. That's not really dissent. Dissent would be, you people are crazy. The guy just gave basically a, a, a Hitler speech. It was like a Nure, mini Nuremberg rally over there. But you would, by the way, you would think a, high, uh, a history professor would know that the Constitution was not written in 1776. But that's beside the point. That's beside the point. Uh, she, she has a lot she doesn't know about history. But she's griping. Now, now she's complaining about Joe Biden being non-inclusive, being racist by not in, what is he supposed to do when well, no, found it fires we the people and oh by the way they as an aside they sucked because uh black women and indigenous people okay see the purpose of the speech was to uh try and rally democrats it was a political speech democrats don't honestly care about any of this stuff they just want to win that's it they want power so jonathan capehart is a little bit taken aback you can tell jonathan capehart like reveres this dean a little bit and so he uh he doesn't know how to respond it's a weird situation well no one on msnbc knows how to respond even to the slightest criticism of a democrat that's what's hilarious about this is they anybody this is the closest thing you get to a uh, a complaint about joe biden on the entire network ever well i think his his speech wasn't inclusive enough now, that's normally their wheelhouse, but it's always about Republicans. So this little, uh, if you can call it discussion, continues. You know, the, the president said he remains optimistic that this nation will weather this storm. As a historian, do you agree? Because I'm not so sure. It took a bloody war for us to come together as a nation. It took civil rights acts, voting rights acts, it's still taking another civil war. And I, I worry that we're on the precipice of another war. We are the most divisive as I've seen us since the civil war. And we lost a lot of lives. 700 lives were lost in the civil war. I think we're more divided than we ever have been. 700. That's a lot of lives lost in the civil war. <laughs> Again, she's a historian. We the people, 1776, not really. 700 lives lost during the Civil War. But Joe Biden wasn't inclusive enough. That's the real problem with the speech where he attacks half the country. She's sitting there going, we wanted to attack half the country too, but Joe Biden didn't include us in his attacks on half the country. And you can hear Jonathan Capehart just kind of wants to change the subject. Like, uh, let's just ignore, let's pretend that you didn't say anything mean about Joe Biden because that does not compute. I don't know how to do it. I'm a victim here making, you know, seven figures for giving my uh, my uninformed opinion on things. <laughs> There's a college dean going, oh, no, he's a bit racist. It wasn't inclusive enough. I wonder if this is what Michael Douglas had in mind when he when he founded this department or whatever, when he funded this this dean's job. I I wonder if that's what he's like. You know what? What I really want is somebody on there who's a history. Now, how the hell is a history professor the dean of humanities and fine arts? If she's a history, if her background is in history, is that how do you how do you square that circle? I don't know. I mean, I've taken some humanities. There's a little bit of a history element to humanities, not fine arts. Um, 
and not really to humanities in any meaningful way. It's about the future, not history, but history is history. That's why they're separate departments. But uh, no, this is what passes for intellectual discourse over on MSNBC. Now, Jonathan Capehart is, uh, he fancies himself a very smart man. He fancies himself a wildly intelligent human being. And you've got to admire, in a way, his willingness to plow through with that opinion of himself in spite of a lack of evidence to back it up. In fact, in spite of a pile of evidence to the contrary. So in that sense, you know, kudos to Jonathan Capehart, I guess. Now we come to the last clip. Now, is it Dina? Dana? It's D-A-I-N-A. Not Dana, because Dana is just D-A-N-A. Dina, I don't know, whatever the hell her name is. Ramey Berry, the Michael Douglas Dean of Humanities and Fine Art at UC Santa Barbara. Boy, what a what a cush job. Allegedly a historian, doesn't know how many people died in the Civil War, only off by a factor of uh, I don't know, 10, and um, doesn't catch her mistake. And uh, confuses the Constitution and the Declaration, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Anyway, her and uh, Jonathan Capehart, Jonathan Capehart, you can tell Jonathan Capehart, maybe he took a class from her at some point, who knows. But he is, he was wildly excited to have her on, and she went and criticized Joe Biden. And so Jonathan Capehart is trying to pull up from this nosedive, because I imagine if you have somebody who is even passively critical of a liberal Democrat, on MSNBC during the commercial breaks, the producers read you the riot act, that there's absolute hell to pay. And so Jonathan Capehart is probably frightened. Plus, he's probably making a couple hundred thousand, if not a half million dollars a year for his gig there at MSNBC. He doesn't want to risk that. He doesn't want to risk that. Anyway. But, but again, do you think, though, we can get through this? We can get through this. One of the ways I think we can is if we take a national history lesson where we all read a syllabus of books so that we understand our nation's history, so that we understand where we've come from and where we're going, so that we can understand when we talk about we the people who was excluded and how we can bring people into this conversation. And if we have a, a country that understands where we came from, I think we'll be in a much better position. Right. And I agree with you on that, Dinah. If, if you know, more of the American people knew not only knew our history, but knew the true pieces of our history, even the uncomfortable pieces, uh, we yes. would have a better understanding of where we've been, who we are and where we can go, given some of the, the incremental progress we have been able to make. Yeah, no, it's just horrible. This country sucks, man. It just sucks. And it's terrible that the two of us could get these cush jobs that make a fortune, but we're still oppressed. How we can't particularly articulate. What do they say? Oh, well, uh, I'm more likely to be pulled over. How are you more likely to be pulled When's the last time you got pulled over? Well, when I get pulled, okay, I've been pulled over quite a bit in my lifetime, including recently. Uh, am I a victim of, no, you're white. They pulled you over probably because you were doing something. No, no, no. Everybody, everybody in prison is not guilty and everybody pulled over didn't do a damn thing. Don't you know that? Isn't that, that's how it works in this world. God. By the way, uh, Professor Barry, from her bio, 
Quote, she created a fifth grade social studies curriculum and serves as the lead author for the next edition of McGraw-Hill's Middle School and High School American History textbooks. Yeah, you're wondering how this left-wing garbage manages to metastasize its way into everything in society. It's because of this. McGraw-Hill is what? If they're not the biggest publisher of textbooks in this country, they're number two. I don't know. I don't remember any other textbook publisher in the country from when I was in school. Every year, McGraw-Hill, McGraw-Hill. They hire these left-wing lunatics. Why? Because McGraw-Hill, this is how it starts off. McGraw-Hill's just doing, you know, U.S. history. They're doing math. They're doing normal things back in the day. And then the woke come along and they say, well, we need diversity, diversity, diversity. And like, well, we, we do have diversity. No, we need more diversity. We need, we need a diversity officer. We need somebody to make sure that you're diverse enough in the right ways at the right time. What if you, what if you hire the wrong minorities? What if you hire a bunch of Asians? They don't count. What if you get a, a bunch of Indians and they don't count? It's got to be the right kind of diversity, everything but thought. And so they go, all right, well, we're, we don't want to be protested. We don't want to risk losing the contract in the state of California or whatever. And this is how California gets to dictate policy in your state. They say, well, all right, we will um, we'll hire a diversity, a chief diversity officer, and they'll make sure that we not only are diverse, but we're the right kind of diverse. They will protect us from the wrong kind of diverse, and we'll make sure that there is no independent thought out there. God forbid, the worst thing a company can do in this day and age is hire a non-white person who is a conservative. So we'll make sure that and that's what the diversity officers do. They are the gatekeepers from that. And so these diversity officers then go, well, we need somebody to uh, serve as a lead author for the next edition of history. And instead of, you know, because history hasn't changed all that much. I don't know if you're aware of this. History hasn't changed all that much from when it happened. You don't really need to rewrite history. You might want to add in some new information if something else came to light or add in more topics or what have you, but you don't really need to rewrite history because uh, it's done. It's not ongoing. But if you're a leftist, you desperately need to rewrite history. You want to rewrite history. You need to rewrite history because then you can retroactively make your case and say, look, this country was founded in racism. Horrible, horrible sexism and racism. This country is so oppressive that there's no way in the world a gay black man could ever get ahead in this. I mean, except for Jonathan Capehart, but he's a special, special case. That's how all of these people view themselves, by the way. It's how Barack Obama viewed himself. It's how Elizabeth Warren, when she was pretending to be an Indian, uh, viewed herself. Oh, this country is oppressive. It keeps people down. And you go, wait a second, Barack, you're... You're president of the United States after having been a United States senator. You're worth a ton of money. You don't, it's incalculable how much you're worth. You got mansions all over the country, if not the planet. We don't get records in where you buy overseas. You have access. You can vacation on Jeff Bezos's yacht with a phone call. Would that we were all so oppressed, right? Oh my goodness, we're so horribly oppressed. Um, 
How are you oppressed? What are you unable to do? Well, uh, it doesn't matter. If we're so horrible and racist as a country, how is it that you got to where you are? They never asked that question. Nobody in authority, nobody in the media ever asks that question. Like if this country's fundamentally at its core, this horrible place, how did you manage to buck that trend? The answer in their head is they're, they're, they have to be aware. They have to be cognizant of the argument that they're making is absurd, right? They at some point, on some level, they have to be going. I'm a black man as president of the United States. And I'm part of a party that talks about how this country is fundamentally racist and I I can't exist. And yet here I am. And the answer that they have to come up with is, well, I'm it's I'm different. I was special. I had to work and this is something that everybody convinces themselves of, but you hear constantly, particularly on reality shows, like, well, to get ahead as a this type of person or as that type of person, you have to work twice as hard for twice as long. No, you don't. How, how do you figure that? What that's really doing, it's not really bitching about the country, although it is bitching about the country. What it is is blowing smoke up their own rear ends. It's bragging without bra- It's a humble brag. Like, well, yeah, I, I made it, but I had to work twice as hard as anybody else. Well, how do, you, how do you quantify that? How do you measure that? How do you know? How do you have any idea? Because, and I don't like the guy, but uh, I suspect that Jeff Bezos in risking everything he had and starting a company in his garage that went on to become Amazon, I suspect he worked a little bit harder than a guy who was a community organizer who then ran for state government and then ran for the United States Senate and then became elected president. Over the course of their lifetimes, their working lifetimes, both are semi-retired now, I suspect that Jeff Bezos worked a lot harder than Barack Obama. Because Barack Obama, no matter how much time and effort he put into it, it was show up, give a speech. Show up, give a speech. When he was a state senator in Illinois, he voted present more often than he voted anything, yes or no. Just present. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Quit. What? What? Who woke me up? Where? Never mind. Present. I suspect that Jeff Bezos worked harder than Barack Obama. So for, you know, the idea, I had to work twice as hard for twice as long. You were elected president of the United States in your 40s. So um, I don't think that's true. I think that might be an inaccurate statement. We get a fact check around that. No, we can't get a fact check around that. But you got to love these leftists. This is how they live. This is where their bread and butter is. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, that's so hard out there for Native Americans. How'd you do it? Well, first of all, I was not a Native American. I just lied about it. And secondly, I'm super smart, whereas everybody else is not super smart. Well, actually, if you look at the people who are making tens of millions of dollars a year or billions of dollars a year, who have these billion-dollar net worths, who are generally not professional athletes, all right? Athletes, you don't pay athletes for their brains, right? Many of them are smart. I'm just saying. They don't really count. You're dealing with people because, you know, it's like, well, he's he can't hit a curveball to save his life, but he's wildly smart. That's why we put him on the team and hit him leadoff is a sentence that nobody will ever say in their lifetime. They can either. Yeah, he's dumb as a stump. He has to use Velcro 
cleats, but he can hit a curveball, and he's a good, fast leadoff hitter. That's it. So we remove professional athletes. The people who have succeeded, like them or not, are pretty smart people. Pretty smart people. That's a key component to making it in this world. The sad thing is that these people then begin to, some of them, particularly the liberal ones, think they're smarter than everybody else. And that's why they made it. (sighs) Through the oppression, by the way. They made it through the oppression. I want to shift gears and talk about our idiot vice president, idiot president. I wrote a piece called Our Idiot Vice President about Joe Biden back when he was vice president. He was about 2012, 2014, something like that. He, um, <clears throat> he's been dumb for a very long time. And back then, it's weird because I wrote that piece and then I was going to cite that piece earlier this year, I think. And I went to Google and I typed in our idiot vice president in my name and it didn't come up. It was hard to find. Then I went to Bing and I, oh, it was the first result. Why? Because it's the exact match. (laughs) The lengths to which the left and the tech companies and everybody, all of the liberals masters have to go to protect and prop up this guy should be a pretty good indication of what's going on. But uh, hey, what are you going to do? Anyway, The Republican National Committee, I have a lot of problems with the Republican National Committee. I have a lot of problems with the the Trump campaign, the Trump people. There is a lot going on right now. There is an election coming up. There is information that is not getting out there to voters. And rather than do anything about it, they're they're just sitting on a huge pile of money. Like what comes, what, what, what do you get out of sitting on a huge pile of money? I don't know. But, I mean, I guess it's got to be wildly satisfying. If somebody wants to send me a huge pile of money, I'll happily sit on it and report back to you about what, if any, joy comes from it. I won't send the money back. It would be unsanitary and wrong. But, uh, you know, you get the idea. These people are out there with a bunch of money, and they you go, okay, well, now the Republicans raised half a billion dollars. All right. Well, now they've, uh, they've only got about $38 million cash on hand. And you have to go, where in the hell did the money go? What are you spending money on? Well, we're spending money on the, uh, the staff and we're getting... Okay, you're two months away from an election. You better have a hell of a lot... The television messaging reaching the people is a hell of a lot more important than just about anything else you got. The problem is that there are so many people on the right and the left, but I don't give a damn about the left, who are parasites, the parasite class. Oh, I'm a consultant. I'm going to get you a consulting gig on this campaign. Really? Oh, yeah, we're going to get you a consulting gig on this campaign. What am I going to have to do? You're not going to have to do much of anything. Every once in maybe twice a month, you'll have to be on a conference call, and if you get any ideas, you're... You're uh, welcome to send it our way. But on that conference call, you should probably make it sound as though you're awake and interested. But other than that, you don't have to do anything. And we'll give you a 10 grand a month. All right. And we'll give you five different gigs, five different campaigns where you're getting 10 grand a month. Oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty sweet deal. And your track record is what exactly? Well, uh, I helped lose the McCain campaign back in... uh, in 2012, I, or 2008, I helped lose the Romney campaign in 2012. 
and I was on the Jeb Bush campaign in 2016 before then being transferred over to some other campaign that lost. And you sit there and you go, why Why are these people the consultants that everybody goes for? It's because politics... You'd be surprised. You care about politics. I care about politics. You'd be surprised how many people in politics don't actually care about politics. They oh, they they like it, and oh, if uh, given their way, and if it were up to them, it might shade over there. But in general, they're just in it for the money, and they will whore themselves out any way they possibly can, anywhere they anywhere they possibly can. It's the Dick Morris syndrome. Nothing against Dick Morris, but he is the the quintessential campaign operative who just goes, "All right, well, if you're going to write me a big check, I don't, I'll, I'll help you." It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't he worked for Bill Clinton? He worked for Republicans. He worked for anybody who'd write a big enough check. At least in many ways, I respect Dick Morris and the Dick Morrises of the world more than the other people because. They're honest about what they are. Like, hey, yeah, no, I'm good at it. I can read people. I'm good at manipulating people. Uh, But ultimately, I don't really have any core beliefs. I just want the money that comes along with uh, the job. So write me a big enough check and I'll do it. People call you, they're whores. They're political whores. So what? They're honest about it. One thing about a prostitute is they don't really fool themselves about what they are. They don't, they don't fool themselves about what they are. There are plenty of people in politics who do, in fact, fool themselves about what they are and what they're doing. Prostitutes ain't one of them. So kudos to them for that. But you sit there and you watch these people and you go, what in the hell? Where's the money going? And the money's going into their pockets. The money's going into other pockets. Some of it's being spent on advertising. But the Republican National Committee, and this is one thing I've never understood, is they need to be on the air constantly. Advertising isn't that expensive if you target it in the right places, right? It just isn't. You can. Do you think the pillow guy is running around spending? He's spending a pretty penny on advertising because he's on TV every twenty seconds. But per ad, he's not paying all that much. He's on networks where it's easy to buy inexpensively. And then he can track it because each one has their own little code. Like this commercial worked during this show. This one didn't work on this show. I do love, by the way, as an aside, like my slippers. Oh, they're, uh, we're almost out of them. And when they're gone, they're gone. They're selling like hotcakes. And I'm thinking if something's selling like hotcakes and you are the manufacturer of them, I don't really believe that you're going to just go, eh, well, we're making too much money. I don't feel like I want a new challenge. I'm not going to make these anymore. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> just, uh, I think your, your slippers are going to be available for a long time to come. That's just me. Anyway, back to the political class. You can advertise on, there are, there are hundreds of networks. All, if you have cable, you probably have 100 channels at least. And I bet you watch you know, 10 of them maybe 10 the rest of them you scan through and the most people just watch those same 10 networks it's hgtv it's the cartoon network it's tbs it's blah 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 you you know the networks that are out there well there are people who watch those other networks not nearly in mass like these uh like the uh the big ones 
but they do watch those networks. Advertising is on there. If you get 100,000 people on your network or on a show, you're not making the top 100 in uh, cable broadcast cable audiences. You can buy ads on that pretty cheaply. And the, the thing is, those 100,000 people vote, or at least can vote. You need to reach them, because the odds are they get their news to the extent that they get their news from NBC, CBS, and ABC. That's just how it works. That's where most people get their news. Everybody goes, oh, Fox is dominating cable news. On a good night, on a really good night, Fox gets 1% of the population, 1% of the population. And I would suggest that that's 1% of the population that either works for some left-wing organization trying to find a way to get somebody fired or people whose votes conservatives already have. So if you're advertising on Fox, you're wasting your money if you're trying to inspire voters, right? You maybe want to remind them to get out to vote, but in general, you're preaching to the choir there. The RNC needs to take their message to places where it's not heard, where it's not getting, where it's not going. It's pretty simple. So they find the Wii TV networks, the, the fringy networks, the late night Bravo. Those people all vote. You sit there and you think, well, they're not traditional Republican. How many times have they heard the truth? How many times have they seen, oh, well, you you know, you, the taxpayer, because the odds are well in favor of whoever is watching that network at three o'clock in the morning is an insomniac. But beside the point, whoever's watching that network didn't go to college. And if they really had explained to them in a in an easily digestible 30 second ad that Joe Biden just gave their money to people who are making up to $125,000 a year, $10,000. Those people might be a little bit pissed off. Going, hey, wait a second. I didn't go to college or I applied for financial aid and I didn't get it. And so I didn't go to college. Or and now these people are getting me to pay for this? What in the, this is garbage. Those are the things that should be doing, whether it's an election year or it's not an election year. There should be a budget for that. Do you run it on the networks where it'll cost you a fortune? No, you don't. But if you're burning through hundreds of millions of dollars and you've got nothing to show for it except falling poll numbers, um, it might be time for you to find a new line of work. It might be time for you to at least go, hey, what we're doing what we're doing isn't working. What we're doing isn't... Maybe we need to go in a new direction. But that's not the way it works when you're hiring former Jeb Bush campaign staffers to staff up the RNC. This is a problem. My wife always points this out, and she's right. The staffers at the political parties, particularly the RNC, because we don't really give a damn about the DNC. But at the RNC, there are people who lost. There are people who lost. If somebody won, like when the Trump administration came in, a lot of people from the RNC went into the Trump administration. Now, many of them were moles and losers and refugees from other campaigns and bitter and angry and whatever and didn't like Trump and you know were more McCain, Jeb Bush Republicans than conservatives, whatever. 
you got to hire 4,000 people, you're going to get some of them. But the people who then went to the RNC were the people who were, you know, well, the refugees from the Romney campaign. Well, why in the hell would you ever hire people from the Romney campaign? Why would you hire anybody? The Romney campaign lost. The Romney campaign had a decent chance, a good chance, a very good chance of winning because Barack Obama was not particularly popular at that point in time in his administration. And he failed miserably. Why? Because he he was... He wanted to be too nice. You can't be too nice. If Mitt Romney with Donald Trump's attitude were running in 2012, there's no way he would have lost. There's no way he would have heard, well, binders full of women. You people are really going to focus on the fact that I had binders full of women's resumes trying to help women get ahead in politics, and you're going to attack me about that with the stupid childish binders full of women crap? What's wrong with you people? What is wrong? That would be a perfect response. You said they're going to attack me for garbage I did in high school. Hey, have you ever interviewed a friend of Barack Obama's from his high school days? No, you haven't. Why is that? Why don't you go look into these sorts of things? All right. I don't mind the public colonoscopy. I do mind that my opponent has been president of the United States for four years. And never once have you interviewed a friend of his growing up, a friend of his from college, an ex-girlfriend or anything like that whatsoever. Do they exist? How about you turn that on there? How about, you know, in 2008, when Joe the Plumber asked a question of Barack Obama and Barack Obama gave a stupid answer, when you spread the wealth around, blah, 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 it's good for everybody, that by the end of that week, we knew more about Joe the Plumber than we still know about Barack Obama. How about that? Throw the gauntlet down there. But that wasn't Mitt Romney's style. Yet somehow Mitt Romney was still the reincarnation of Hitler. That's one of the things you have to remember, by the way, is all these attacks on Republicans, all these attacks on Trump, they're not new. They would be happening by the left, no matter who it is. Everything that they're saying now about Trump is something they've said about George W. Bush. It's something they've said about John McCain. They loved John McCain, and then they hated John McCain, and then they loved John McCain again when he was on their side. Mitt Romney, he was a monster. Don't you know that Mitt Romney forcibly cut the hair of an alleged gay student, even though his family said he wasn't gay and he passed away when he was in high school? He abused his dog by putting his dog in a dog carrier on the roof of the family truckster when they went off to Wally World. All of these things, they went through every aspect of his life and painted a guy who, you know, not my cup of tea, but probably a guy you would absolutely love to have as a neighbor because no matter what lawn equipment he had and you needed, he'd loan it to you. He'd tell you, no, no, you don't have to hurry and return it. You take your time, even though he's, you know, probably needs to use it. He's just a nice guy, not necessarily a principled conservative, but a nice guy. They painted him out to be a monster. Him of all people. It's like getting mad at Melba Toast. How the hell do you get mad at Melba Toast? What did it do? So what they're saying about Trump, yeah, maybe they've changed their rhetoric a little bit, but the sentiments are the same. Remember Bush McHitler or whatever? It was the monkey uh, was with the Hitler mustache. He was a chimp and he was Hitler. What did he do? He didn't do anything. Trump is Hitler. Romney is Hitler. McCain is Hitler. DeSantis, if he runs and he gets the nomination, he will be Hitler. That's why you've got it constantly. And you've got networks 
that are dedicated to painting this picture of the Republican as Hitler. That's why the RNC needs to take some of their money, fire probably 80% of their consultants, or say, hey, if you brought ever brought something to the table during this campaign that was useful, we'll keep you on staff, but uh, we're going to pay you less because our objective is to win and not make sure that you get a third home. And they need to hit the airwaves constantly, educating people, not just about the candidates, although they need to do that. They need to be educating people about the issues and then where the parties fall on those issues because people are being lied to by the media constantly. And they honestly don't know. They honestly don't know what's going on. They believe There are people out there who believe that Joe Biden snapped his fingers and a half a billion dollars in student debt just disappeared. It's just gone. It's gone. Well, uh, we picked that up. We, the taxpayers, picked that up. They need that explained to them because you think Lester Holt or the hairdo David Muir or whoever does CBS News, do you think they're going to sit around and explain it to people? Hell no. They're cheering it. They're cheering it. Their kids are probably taking advantage of the program. They probably have their their tax accountants finding a way to refile their last two years of tax returns so they can qualify for it. So, yeah, the RNC needs to get off their ass and do something. Or everybody just needs to resign. We need new people in there. Okay, so now is the time on Sprockets when we play you these Biden clips. This is, again, the RNC put these out, put this out. It's a, one thing. I cut it in two. It's a little bit long because it's there's two different points that they're making. And one in particular, I have the original source material that we'll go into a little bit further. Just so you know what you're dealing with when you've got this guy out there, this disgrace of a human being has spent a lifetime being a fraud, Joe Biden has. And it's all been memory hold. Now he's like, oh, he's a, he's a scholar on foreign policy. Boy, howdy. His time in the Senate, he's learned more about foreign policy than it no. No, he's been wrong on every foreign... Even Barack Obama said he's been wrong on every foreign policy. Thing. He advised Barack Obama against the bin Laden raid. Against the, how can you be against the bin Laden raid? Unless you're a political coward. That's Joe Biden. It is uh, cover your butt, always keep your butt covered. That's Biden. But anyway, this is a really good RNC video. It would be nice if they, because the people who see it are people who follow the RNC research on social media, or uh, maybe somebody has it tweeted into their timeline. But the way that the algorithm algorithms are set up by these leftist internet companies, if you are a liberal in good standing, they're going to make sure that it's really difficult for you to see this. Or if you're an independent they don't want you to see this because you might start to question things, and questioning is not allowed. Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Glenys the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania and come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground 
and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. The notion that every thought or notion or idea you'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. The problem here is that Senator Biden told his audience he'd just been thinking about these things, and he failed to give any credit at all to his famous British speechwriter. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. <laughs> now, that's a little too much, because, as you point out, what's behind the words? What's there? And a lot of people, the rap on Biden has always been that it's just a surface. I should have said, to paraphrase Neil Kinnock, the only time I didn't in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. Joseph Biden admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So ladies and gentlemen, I've been dumb. To the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump. The great communicator, strike that. The great imitator. You don't steal verbatim, uh, or when you do, as he did 99% of the time, you give credit. Biden's critics say he sells himself as a man whose words and visions can inspire a new generation in politics. But if the thoughts, phrases, and visions really belong to others, it's a form of false advertising. <laughs> I love it. Oh, he uh, accidentally forgot to give somebody without proper sight. He quoted five pages from a law journal article, five pages in law school, and didn't give any credit whatsoever. Nothing. It's not that he, well, you footnoted it improperly. He gave no credit whatsoever. He was passing it off as his own. Neil Kinnock, he was passing that life story off as his own. It wasn't true. RFK, same thing. All of them. And you know why? Because he used to be able to get away with that kind of stuff. What? This is 1987 right there. This is reported because he dropped out before 1988 and running for president. 1987, the internet wasn't around. You couldn't check things. It was very difficult to check things. But what was around was a mass video archive and satellite technology where the beaming of information and beaming of speeches and things from around the world was now coming in. It was being archived in uh, New York by the news outlets and things like that. They had access to it. They didn't use it, but they had access to it. So then they could do research much more easily because those databases with the computers, not the internet, but computers where they'd archive the text of speeches and the video connected to them, that existed. And so he was caught. How he was caught in law school 20 years earlier, I don't know. Somebody, I guess you quote five pages of something, sooner or later somebody's going to notice it. But that he didn't learn anything from that shows you his idiocy and that he didn't 
care that he tried to pull it off to to plagiarize biographical information. Joe Biden has been lying about his life, his own personal life, uh, forever. And that's what this next clip, that this continuation clip, it's shorter than the other one, gets into. This is his uh, famous, which we'll have the whole clip of after, but his, I bet I have a much higher IQ than you do, speech at a voter who asked him a basic question about his education because Joe Biden is a nasty man with a short fuse, wildly insecure, and incredibly stupid. Senator Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from with taped remarks of, of Biden States. during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed. His memory had failed him. Oopsie-daisy. Oopsie-daisy. Yeah. My memory often fails me about my own life experience, too, doesn't it? Yours? (laughs) Just... I love it. No, no, no. It's too smart. Too smart. You're too wonderful. And now what you're going to hear is the entire exchange between then Senator Joe. And this makes you go, Delaware, what the hell is wrong with you? Why do you keep, how could you keep electing a moron like this? A fraud like this? Forget the stupid. Just focus on the liar. Or forget the liar. Just focus on the stupid. Either one, you go, eh, either one is disqualifying. They don't cancel each other out. It's not like, well, you know, every, they just, we couldn't decide. They, we decided that they couldn't get through the door. Now, on the other side is my ballot of the door. It's a small door jam and, and he's stupid and he's incompetent and he's a liar. And they all just kind of got stuck in the door jam. So I voted for him anyway. Honest to God, how do you vote for a moron like this? Now, what you're going to hear him say is he's in a pub in New Hampshire when he was running for president in 2000, or, uh, 1987. A guy asks him about his education. Joe gets mad. Joe does not like to be challenged. He wasn't in the moment. The guy's probably too fit for Joe to challenge to a a fight or a push-up contest or something like that. So Joe just uh, decides to try to insult him. You're stupid, I'm smart. You're rubber, I'm glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Now, you can tell that something's wrong with this because Joe Biden says that he went to law school and he wasn't really interested in law school, thought about dropping out. And so he was in the bottom two thirds of his class. But then, because he's such a super genius, he's the brain to everybody else's pinky. He says, then I decided I wanted to be in law school and I applied myself and I graduated in the top half of my class. 
Now, there's a Venn diagram to be made between the top half and the bottom two-thirds, and there is a lot of overlap in there so that you know you could actually not ever move at all and both statements be true. But in Joe Biden's case, as you just heard in the previous clip, neither statement is true. He graduated 76th out of what, 84 people in his law school class, which is nowhere near the top half. It's definitely in the bottom two-thirds. It's actually in the bottom one-tenth. But that's beside the point. Just keep that in mind. as you, Everything you're about to hear Joe Biden proclaim about his life and his academic achievement is a lie, is a flat-out lie. It's not just, it's not wrong because it's his own life. One would think his own life would uh, be something that um, he would know about. But you'd be wrong. The President of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Question, <laughs> what law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, yes. could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. All right, but I have a much higher IQ. No, he did not finish anywhere near the top of his law school class. His scholarship was a half scholarship, 50% based on need, not on merit, not on academics whatsoever. He did not win the international boot court. He was not the outstanding student in political science. He was 76th out of 85 in his graduating class at law school. Nothing close to what he said. And Frankly, he should have been expelled from law school for plagiarizing five pages of a law journal and trying to pass it off as his own, just straight up lifting it. Now, you can tell, I'll tell you, as somebody who writes a lot, there are some times when you're just like, oh, what am I going to do? And I'm tired and I got a deadline looming. And you do, what do you do? You take, you do big block quotes. (laughs) You go, yeah, I would normally just quote a sentence of this. But I'm going to quote three sentences of this. There we go. That'll work. And then maybe there are other quotes I can do. If you're doing five pages, straight up lifting, it's because you're lazy. It's not that you're... T- five pages is you've got to write a long dissertation, whatever. You've got to write 20 pages. You know what? I'm going to take five. I'm going to take, I'm going to take uh, 25% of this. I'm just going to lift it. Nobody will know. And you have to think that. Because back then, I bet you most people didn't know. If Joe Biden got caught doing that, what didn't Joe Biden get caught doing? All of his papers are locked up in the University of Delaware until years after his death. Do you really think when anybody does get around to examining them, they're going to give an honest, thorough examination of those papers to, for plagiarism, for Tara Reid's sexual assault complaint, things of that nature? Nah, they don't give a damn. He's their corpse. 
They rolled him over the finish line. They're not going to go out there and do any serious research on this guy and just expose themselves as bigger frauds. He will have gotten away with it. Joe Biden is the only person I know of who continually gets things wrong about his own life. His own life. Every major aspect. Oh, I was out there marching in the streets for the civil rights. No, I didn't really do anything for the civil rights movement. Which was it? You're just jealous that Bernie did, and so you decide to lie. I got arrested trying to go see Nelson Mandela on Robin Island. No, you didn't. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that I didn't, though, I totally did. I was a brilliant student. No, you weren't. There's nothing about you that is smart. He sits around and he says, people call me lunch bucket Joe. They call me middle class Joe. As an ins- Nobody call- There's no record of anybody calling him either of those things. But he insisted everybody calls him that. And oh, they meant it as a dig when he first got to the United States Senate. Really? Nobody said it on the record in an institution where everything they say is pretty much written down or recorded. Nobody said it, but your middle-class Joe, he just lies about himself. It's not dementia because he's been doing this since he was a kid. It's now worse by dementia, claiming, oh, I was a truck driver. I used to do that. I was a steel-driving man. They used to call me John Henry. I played guitar for the Grateful Dead from uh, 1973 to 1977. No, Joe, you didn't. You're just stupid. You're just stupid. You plagiarized other people's biographies. Why? Because your life is so devoid of accomplishment? That's really the only thing you can come up with. Your life is so devoid of accomplishment that you have to pinch it off of other people. You've got nothing. You're such a an empty vessel that you have nothing. You bring nothing to the table, so you steal from other people's tables. That video that audio that that clip that you just heard from the rnc is great it could be made better but it's great and from that there should be 10 to 15 different 15 to 30 second ads cut that should be running constantly on cable news on uh, cable news channels you can buy ads on those cheap you'd be running on cable channels They should be running on late-night broadcasts. They should be running wherever you can buy the cheapest advertising time because even the cheapest advertising time gets eyeballs on it. Two o'clock in the morning on a network nobody's ever heard of still has some people watching it. You're never going to see that on the network news. You're never going to see an expose by Dateline or 2020 going, let's look at Joe Biden's history of lying and plagiarism. So you got to do it for them. Or you just content yourself to lose. And the RNC, I mean, hell, the the consultant contracts will continue. So do they really want to win? Who knows? Okay, I want to shift gears to another uh, probable hate crime hoax. Now, they're still investigating this thing, but it doesn't seem to be... uh, It's certainly not going to a good place. There is a, a girl who plays volleyball for duke good looking girl young girl a black girl named rachel richardson she claims that at a match at a game or whatever the hell you call those things when they play volleyball out at byu brigham young university somebody in the crowd 
was screaming racial epithets at her, including but not limited to the N-word every time she served the ball. Now, if you've ever seen college or Olympic volleyball, the games last a while. People serve a lot. So if somebody's screaming racial slurs at somebody, somebody would pick up on it. The weird thing is, not a, a seemingly, according to the reporting I've seen, there isn't another human being on the face of the earth, including any of the cameras, who heard these racial slurs repeatedly screamed throughout the entire match at this girl. Nobody else heard it. No, no camera picked it up. Nothing. Yet the media out there, ABC, CNN, they have reported it as fact. Now, it's Duke. <clears throat> if you remember, Duke has a little bit of a problem with fake hate crimes, fake assaults, fake crimes. Remember the uh, the stripper who claimed to have been gang raped uh, by a whole bunch of Duke lacrosse players about uh, 15, 20 years ago? Oh, my God. The national new Al Sharpton set up camp down there. The left went absolutely crazy, and there was literally no physical evidence whatsoever of this. The university expelled them. They, they went crazy. Everybody bought it because people wouldn't lie. The stripper was an African-American woman. She was clearly assaulted by these white, rich lacrosse players because everybody knows that everybody who plays lacrosse is white and everybody who's white is rich. And that was just the way it was. Well, it turns out the whole thing was a lie. It's just made up. Those kids' lives were damaged, not ruined. They were made close to whole because Duke had to pony up a ton of money for them because they got uh, they sued Duke and, and won because they should have because the, the university pronounced them guilty on the face of absurd charges. But Duke is back. Now, Duke, I don't know if Duke's really uh, going full-throated on this thing or not, but the only person that I've found any evidence of, now granted my research has not been extensive, but it has been pretty thorough. The only person I've found backing up Richardson's claim, Rachel Richardson's claim that racial slurs were hurled at her is her godmother. The only problem with that is her godmother wasn't, wasn't in Salt Lake City for the match. She wasn't there. None of the other teammates, and as far as I can tell, none of her black teammates either, have come out and said, yeah, no, there was a dude just screaming the N-word. And it was weird. Because even if you believe that every white person is racist, which so many people are conditioned to believe, if you believe that, and that you know Salt Lake City is just this side of a snowstorm as far as how white it is, I would think that people would have, I don't know, done something, said something, if through the course of an hour, hour and a half volleyball match, somebody's screaming racial slurs at a black girl trying to play volleyball, some black college student playing volleyball. I just, I suspect that would happen. Maybe security would come down and say, hey, wait a second. Or BYU would go, you know what? We don't really want this at our university. Go and throw that guy out of the uh, the stadium. Get him out of here. We don't want... None of that happened. With all that in mind, and in fact, 
Let's see. This is from the Salt Lake Tribune because this girl made this, she made this charges like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Salt Lake Tribune. Brigham Young University is still investigating the racist slurs yelled at a Duke volleyball player last week. Now, they're, st- they're assuming, this is even the Salt Lake Tribune, assuming that it happened. Oh, they are uh, investigating the racist, not the alleged racist slurs. The racist slurs yelled at a Duke volleyball player last week. In part, because campus police say it doesn't appear the man who was eventually banned was the person shouting the N-word. In fact, nobody was saying the N-word. BYU Police uh, Lieutenant George Bessendorfer. Yeah, I think that's how you do it. Bessendorfer said Tuesday, based on an initial review of surveillance footage of the crowd, the individual who was banned wasn't shouting anything while the Duke player was serving. Quote, when we watched the video, we did not observe that behavior from him, he said. Duke sophomore Rachel Richardson, the lone black starter on the team, said she, quote, very distinctly heard the very strong and negative racial slur come from the student section during Friday's match while she was serving. Quote, various BYU athletic employees have been reviewing video from BYU TV and other cameras in the facility that the volleyball team has access to for film review. This has been ongoing since right after the match Friday night. BYU Associate Athletic Director John McBride said in in a statement, the person who was banned was the person identified by Duke as using racial slurs. However, we have been unable to find any evidence of that person using slurs in the match. Based on those reports, that could mean this is a reporter's conjecture because it has to be true, right? It has to be. Whitey's evil. Based on those reports, that could mean a second person who did shout the slur has not yet been identified and has not yet had any action taken by them or against them by the Provo University. BYU has not said it doubts Richardson's account and is still investigating. The school is asking for fans in attendance to share video and accounts from the match to help with the investigation. No one. Not a single human being has come forward aside from this one girl to say, yeah, no, somebody was screaming an N-bomb. Now, we've seen this before when somebody was actually yelling at a mascot. I think the, I forget what the mascot was. Somebody at a baseball game was yelling at a a mascot, Dinger. Dinger was the the mascot's name. And a guy sitting there with his kid was screaming for Dinger because he wanted Dinger's attention to show his kid or whatever and that was oh my god can you believe the racial slur that's being heard in there and the announcers were like all apologetic geez sorry about that and they looked into it the guy caught hell for it they i think he still got in trouble there were still apologies all around for something that didn't happen why because we live in an insane world in a stupid hypersensitive world where if a white cook on a college campus makes chinese food for the dorms that is considered cultural appropriation and that person has to be fired that sort of thing where a kardashian braids their hair like oh that you can't do that that's cultural appropriation like really braiding somebody's hair i'm pretty sure that's been around for a while if you look back in the ancient uh, paintings in the uk of royalty dating back i don't know 700 800 years you'd find some braided hair there the particular way of braiding hair, I don't think is uh, all that racist. I didn't realize that 
hairstyles had a race. Apparently they do. So with all this in mind, CNN, this is just one. I could have played the ABC News. There's plenty of reports of, of these things. Jim Acosta had one too. CNN has been all over this case because it has to be true. It has to be true. And it's probably a Trump supporter who did it. But listen to this report from CNN unquestioningly just belching out that this is a horrible, horrible racist incident. This is uh, Diane Gallagher, CNN's national correspondent, and just really awful at her job. Uh, Rachel Richardson, the only black starter on the Duke team, says BYU should have done more sooner. Anna, that's the key here. It's not just the abhorrent racist attacks that Rachel Richardson and her fellow African-American volleyball players endured, but it was the fact that she says that the coaching staff of BYU and the officials were notified of it during the game and nothing was done to stop it in its tracks. Her godmother says that Rachel Richardson was called the N-word each time she stepped up to serve. And Richardson herself says that they endured slurs, attacks that progressed into racist threats that made her afraid and made them feel unsafe during the match. And Rachel says, Anna, that she is a proud African-American student athlete at Duke University. She doesn't want pity. She wants people to do better and to be anti-racist. Good for her. Good for her. Oh, yeah, she wants people to be anti-racist. Oh, okay. Uh, What do you call somebody who makes a fake race hate crime allegation? What do you do that? There's no other human being on the planet who heard this. Why aren't those Duke teachers or Duke uh, coaches going over there and just randomly beating white people in the audience because one of them probably said something allegedly? Really? Do you, even if you thought that all Mormons and everybody who goes to BYU is just this side of a Klansman, don't you think somebody might have said, well, every time the black girl's serving, somebody's screaming N-bombs at him. Somebody might have said, hey, dude, all right, we heard you the first 20 times. Calm down. Somebody might have picked up on it. In an age of social media where nothing goes undocumented, wouldn't there be some kind of footage of this? Wouldn't there be some kind of evidence? of? This? Wouldn't there be a second person going, hey, I heard that, not the woman's godmother who was thousands of miles away someplace else, not in attendance. With cameras around and microphones with those cameras, would not somebody have picked up on it? None of that matters to CNN. It's just straight up, oh, man, BYU, a lot of white people in Utah. Totally racist. This is what white people do. I'm embarrassed to be white. I apologize on behalf of it. And there's absolutely not only no questioning, there's no reporting on it. There's just straight up regurgitation. Here's what the girl said. It has to be true. And boy, howdy, she's just brave. She's a, a strong black woman who wants everybody to read Ibram Kendi's Be an Anti-Racist thing. Like, oh, so maybe she's an activist. And activists have a long and storied history of I don't know, making things up. I'm not accusing her of making this up directly, but uh, there's at least the probability, at a minimum, that she misheard something and was the only person who heard it, which you know would probably mean she likely made it up. I don't know. I don't know. The jury's still out, just not at CNN. All right, uh, I want to shift just to why the liberal media is worthless, why you really can't talk to a liberal. 
not a, not a Democrat, somebody who votes Democrat, I would be willing to bet that a good chunk of the people who vote for Democrats vote for Democrats because they've always voted for Democrats. Why, we're Democrats. Hey, I'm a union household and Democrats are for the unions. I'm blue collar and Democrats are for blue collar. It is my, uh, my parents were Democrats. My grandparents were Democrats. By golly, I'm Democrats. We've been Democrats since FDR or somewhere. I grew up in a house with a, we're Catholic and there's a picture of JFK on the wall. And that's why we're Democrats. You're like, okay, you really have no freaking idea what the Democratic Party is actually fighting for these days, do you? You don't, you don't have a kid that, or a grandkid or whatever where their Democrats will defend the death, the right of that child to mutilate their body permanently starting at the age of three or whenever. That's your modern Democratic Party. If you have a daughter, the Democratic Party will fight tooth and nail to make sure that a man can in a dress or even not in a dress, just demanding that they are truly a woman, can use the bathroom at the same time as your child. Like that? That's really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. And if you are white, you're a racist. And if you're not white, you're a victim. Unless you're Asian or Indian, then you don't exist. But they that's what they're teaching kids. You can't read, you can't write, but boy, howdy, can you play the blame game. The blame game. Racist, racist, bo-basist, banana fan of bo-facist. Anyway, it's, uh, the committed leftists really aren't worth communicating with because, well, they're open. They're welcome. I'm, I'd, I'd happily discuss things with them, but you can't. Because their default position is you're racist. That's a default position in that story about Utah. Oh, well, we're looking into it because uh, clearly somebody must have yelled something. Couldn't possibly be that the girl misheard or is lying. It couldn't possibly be that. Even though you've examined every evidence, nobody's come forward. Nobody heard nothing, not even her own teammates. But, you know, it's, it's got to be. Because why? Because progressivism rots the brain. It rots the brain. Then you get this garbage in the Baltimore Sun the other day from somebody called Michelle Deal Zimmerman. It's in defense of Marilyn Mosby. Marilyn Mosby, the state's attorney, is uh, under all sorts of corruption investigations, lots of sketchy things, her and her husband, how they can afford several million dollars or over a lot of money in houses down in Florida and around get mortgages. It's not like, you know, they just bought it with cash. They had to get a mortgage. How did they qualify for a mortgage on two quote-unquote public servant salaries? Don't look at it. Not ref- She's refusing to prosecute criminals. Eh, what are you going to do? But when you look at these things, and she just lost her primary, of course. You look at these things, and you, there are a lot of people who don't like her. She what, helped facilitate the Freddie Gray riots and make them worse. The city held hostage for as long as it was. She's uh, quick to charge every, I'll charge everybody, we'll charge him, we'll get him, and then she didn't have a case. She lost the cases. She lost, oh, they're guilty as uh, wait, you didn't even, in Baltimore, a Baltimore jury acquitted these people. So then you get this thing, because, you know, people threw her out. People said, enough is enough is enough. You're getting you're doing quite well for yourself, and the city sucks. We're going to try a different direction. So the Baltimore Sun editorial, or uh, opinion piece, a lot of people don't like Marilyn Mosby simply because she's a black woman. That's the opening line. Well, how do you, how do you have a discussion with somebody who that's their opening salvo? 
There, I said it, and I wrote this column for you. Yet I know that you don't want to hear it or acknowledge it or consider it, and you certainly will never accept it. So you know, you can't accept that this woman is wildly incompetent, bad at her job, and quite possibly corrupt. No, no, no. It's got to be because she's a black woman. It has to be because she's a black woman. Why? Because you're an idiot and you bring no original thought to anything. You can't get outside yourself. Agenda uberalis. Period. End of story. No, you will insist it's because she's a liar, a cheat, and incompetent to boot. Race has nothing to do with it, but I'm here to point out that it has everything to do with it. I bet you're a lot of fun at dinner parties, right? I'm not saying you're racist because you don't like Ms. Mosby. Calling names, dishing out labels, or even telling anyone whom to admire is beside the point. B.S. Mine is to explain why, as I see it. When you click on every headline that features her name, why you comment on every social media post about her, why you leave vitriolic voicemails for her from other states, why your attention is glued to every move she makes. I want to, first of all, she's attractive, so I look at her for that reason. Secondly, I want to know whether or not she's going to get convicted, whether or not she's going to go to jail. That's what I want to know. That's why I look at her. I couldn't honestly tell you the last time I read a story about Marilyn Mosby because there's no point. It's all the same. She's out there insisting she did nothing wrong, but not explaining anything, promising we'll get to the bottom of this later on. Uh, You accuse me of, say, murder. I'm going to tell you exactly where I was at the time of the murder because it wouldn't have been anywhere near the murder scene, right? That's the way you do it. Ah, uh, you, uh, on the night of January the 16th, you, uh, you murdered the guy, didn't you? Uh, no, where? What are you talking about? Well, downtown Philadelphia, you shot that guy, didn't you? Noel, uh, here's a credit card receipt, uh, for uh, a couple of them for dinner uh, in Washington, D.C. on the January the 16th. So I wasn't in there, in there, uh, in Philadelphia at the time. So I could not have committed this murder. And that would pretty much be the end of it. Except for maybe the, the, the civil suit I would bring against you and your you know employer or wherever you ran it. But otherwise, it's garbage. If I, hey, uh, there's a lot of corruption going on. How'd you get uh, a whole bunch of money in houses? And well, we're going to have to look into that. And we, it's, uh, we're being accused of everything. We're being accused of everything. Oh, all right. Well, disprove something. Just do it. Just for fun. If it's a wild allegation and it's so easily disproven, disprove it. You disprove it. You just make everybody like here's here's a picture of me not doing it. Here's where I was on the night of January the 16th, whatever it is. You make everybody who's gone out of their way to vocally accuse you of committing a crime look like an idiot. It not only goes away, you have humiliated the people who are out to get you. You've humiliated it. And that's done and done. I haven't done that. It's just curious. has nothing to do with skin tone. I mean, it has everything to do. I don't know who, uh, let's see, Michelle Deal Zimmerman is. I have no idea who that person is. But I suspect she's probably obsessed with, she's probably a liberal in good standing obsessed with race. That's, that would be my guess. People get a lot of mileage out of this, especially in a liberal city like Baltimore and a liberal paper like the Baltimore Sun. You sit there and you go, you know what? Mosby's not particularly uh, good at her job. 
crime has gone up. The downtown area, people are afraid to go down there. Maybe she's not the perfect person to be in charge of law and order in this city because she's not. In, she's more interested in cutting deals and cutting real estate deals than she is in keeping the people of Baltimore safe. Maybe you just you point that out. No, no, you can't. You go, she's a black woman. You don't like her because she's a black woman. Okay, so you're either Robin D'Angelo or Ibram Kendi. One of the two, and you see the problem you love everywhere. And ultimately, you're the problem. The problem here is that we're out of time. For those of you, I get a lot of emails about iTunes. I know iTunes is still screwed up. I've reached out to iTunes. I'm supposed to hear back from them today at some point. It's just an iTunes problem. Nobody else. Uh, So it's an iTunes thing. It is available literally everywhere else. Fine podcasts are sold. So if you're you're talking to friends and going, I haven't heard, tell them to go someplace else besides iTunes. When it's back on iTunes, you can go back to iTunes. But uh, it's right now, it's an iTunes thing. I don't get it. You can't make Apple jump. They just don't give a damn. But uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeart, everywhere else that it goes, it's there. Weird things I never heard of. It shows up. So it's available. Appreciate you being available. Appreciate your use of your ears. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. See you then.